Hello everybody! Hello, hello, hello! Welcome! I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger from dancefish.com. Welcome to the live stream. We do this every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 9 Eastern for those of you that are mountain challenged. Um, we're going to do our typical shipping report as we always do this week. And, uh, and then we're going to get into the giveaway. And after that, we'll get into questions and comments. Now, I need to look up the shipping report here and make sure that I have it right. The good news is we're doing a little bit better. Our, uh, our average for the year has gone up some. So we're now at 98.85% success for the year. Um, I think we started calculating that technically in February, February 1st of this year. Um, and it looks like there are four losses that we've had since we last talked. One is a silver side, uh, Ceranosaurum. Oh, that hurts. Those are so rare and hard to get. Sorry to that customer. One is a Have Good Rainbow Fish. One is a Platinum Rummy Nose. And one, this one really hurts, is a 174 Ocelot Pleco. Now, we shipped a whole lot of Ocelot Plecos out, but uh, anytime you lose a super rare fish like that, it you don't want to lose any fish, but when you do that, it, uh, it really hurts. The good news is, even though that's four losses, um, we are, this last month, August, we've already surpassed um, our sales volume from the previous month. So we're busier than ever. Thank you to all our customers. Um, even those four losses, though, work out to only a fraction of a percent, small fraction of a percent of uh, all the fish that were sent out. So if we haven't heard from you and, and you lost something, then sorry, um, send us an email, hello at dancefish.com. We'll take care of you. Or you can leave a chat here. Um, and that's the shipping report. Now we did have one other oddity occur, I suppose. It's not a shipping issue, so it's not included in the shipping, shipping report, but it is an issue, and I want to be transparent about all this stuff, so I'm going to tell you what it was. Basically, um, a local customer came and picked up uh, a group of Platinum Romino's Tetras and uh, took them home, and uh, they, they promptly passed away. So we're working with that, we're trying to work with that customer to. Uh, see if we can help them be successful, see if we can find out if something's going on in the tank. Uh, they were literally in the bags for less than an hour and they were packed like they always are, um, even though they were just a local pickup. So I'm, I'm confident that that was probably not something on our end. So we want to work with that customer and try to figure out what it could have been. If we can fix the issue, then, then we'd be happy to um, you know, give them another group to try. We wouldn't charge for that. So if you're that customer and you're listening, uh, if you wouldn't mind getting back to us, H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com. That's hello at dancefish.com. Um, we've reached out, but we haven't heard back. So if you wouldn't, if you would get back to us, then we'd love to help you with that fish. Um, and if we find out it's something on our end, then we'll fix that too. But I don't think it is. And the reason is we sold, we had hundreds of those and we've sold a lot of them even recently over the last couple of weeks we sold tons of them and so we're shipping them all over the nation and uh, we we've had one issue i think is that correct okay let me see i think that's correct 
according to my log here, two, okay, so there's one that was lost on 810. Of all the many, many, many that we have shipped out, as far as I know, we've only had, we've only lost two. And those fish are being shipped all over the nation. So um, if they were in the bag for less than an hour and then there was a problem, uh, then then I think there's something with your aquarium that we need to work with you on to help you fix. So that's, that's what I think based on the information I have. Could be wrong. Uh, if we did something and, and it turns out that that's the issue, then we need to fix something our, on our end. We're always happy to do that. But either way, no matter if it's something that happened on our end or your end, uh, we'll work with you. We want you to be successful, so uh, we'll, we'll be happy to work with you. I, I know for those that are probably about to say it that there is a spot on my forehead. See that stationary spot as I move, it doesn't. Um, we got a little something on the sensor there on the camera, and I need to fix it, but to do that, you have to order a sensor cleaning kit, and it's this whole thing. So I will be doing that, but it's not going to happen during this stream because I don't have the equipment to do it. Um, okay, so that takes care of the, the shipping report as far as I know. Again, if I missed anyone, call me out. I like to be transparent about this stuff. And uh, let's get on to the giveaway. So the giveaway tonight um, is provided in part by Dan's Fish and in part by Cichlids and More. Cichlids and More has a store on uh, getgills.com where you can buy these Pleco Caves that we're giving away. They were nice enough to send these to me. So we're giving away these Pleco Caves. This is a large. No, this is the large. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check this out. Compared to my hand, right? Man hand. So what's that, about seven inches maybe? Um, here's the medium. An inch or two less. And there's also a small, just a dinky little small one. Um, they're handmade. They've got good texture on them and stuff. I, I think that's probably good for, for the plecos that they're not... Uh, they're not, I would say, rough inside, but they do have a little texture, so I think that helps plecos uh, kind of, when they squeeze in there, feel a little more comfortable. So anyway, we'll be giving away a small, medium, and large of those from Cichlids and More, and we'll also, with that, be giving away some really specialty food. So this is spirulina powder. It's a quarter pound. It's just pure spirulina algae that's been ground up and dehydrated into a fine powder. And this is axaxanthin powder, which is the red algae, which is very expensive. And this is only two ounces because <laughs> they're happy to sell this for, you know, this costs about the same. Two ounces costs about the same as a quarter pound just because this stuff's uh, actually might have been more. Kind of hard to get. Now, the, what I like doing with this stuff, both these, is you can feed it to live foods. Uh, it's really good for your Daphnia culture, for example or you're, if you're growing up brine shrimp, it's good for that. Um, I also like to feed it for benthic grazers. Let's say you have some farroellas or some, um, some baby autosynclus, you know, something like that that needs algae and biofilm and things like that to, to graze on. Then if you put some of this and let it sink down to the bottom, you want a bare bottom tank for this, or at least a lot of surface area where it can settle and be grazed off then those little fish can go and, and graze on that. And it's a great way to feed sensitive fish. I think this is probably the only way to get the green farroella um, eating well. So 
that's one use. And then the other use is you can use it as a supplement for your current foods. So if you feed rapashi or another gel food, or you make your own food, then, then you add some of this stuff in there and uh, it helps supplement the, the food. It's really healthy, good stuff, full of vitamins and minerals. Um, so we'll be giving that away along with the Pleco Cave. So it's, it's all one giveaway. Um, however, is that? Yeah, yeah. However, um, I do, I did want to make the, the, the giveaway simple. So instead of saying hashtag cave and algae, because who can spell algae? It's just to enter just hashtag cave, hashtag C-A-V-E. If you enter that in the chat, you'll automatically be entered to win. And later on, we will draw the winner. So if you would like to win some Pleco Caves and some specialty food, some, some algae powders, both the green and the red, then enter hashtag cave. No spaces, caps don't matter. Um, in the chat, I see people are doing it and uh, you'll be entered to win. Please only enter once. Entering multiple times doesn't help you and it really annoys the moderators, makes their job harder. Carlos Diaz is here. Hey, good to see you, Carlos. I enjoy your videos. If this is the Carlos Diaz I'm thinking of that does these really close-up kind of macro shots of all kinds of live bearers and things on YouTube, um, if that's you, man, I really like your stuff. And if not, hello anyway. <laughs> oh, camera's backwards. Got to do that arm. Yeah, there we go. So you might notice that we're in a new setup this week. Um, we've got our... There I did it. I said um again. Try not to say um. We're in our new kind of more or less office area. So for those that are familiar with the space, there's the electrical area. And then over there is the wide open spaces. And where we used to be was over kind of around where that black chair is. But um, uh, fish sales are going bonkers and we needed more packing space. So now that whole central area is packing tables with Mandy's desk on the end, she sits at that chair because she monitors the whole packing and shipping process. So it's helpful, helpful for her to be there so she can print the labels as the boxes come down the line and things like that. So we're, we're finally getting more settled in. I wouldn't say we're completely settled in. It's a, it's a big job moving in and setting up a, a facility like this, but we've got in, we're running, and we're... Uh, we're just gradually improving things as we can. I don't know, uh, maybe not everyone knows this, but something else exciting is, is we were able to fulfill the position we're hiring. We now have a uh, fish happiness associate to help us care for our fish and make sure the fish are packed and shipped appropriately. In fact, we are so busy, we ended up hiring two of those positions. So now we have two um, fish happiness associates helping Mandy, our fish happiness officer, uh, make sure that all that goes smoothly and it's been just a joy to have some more help which is why we were able to do things like move into our office location and get some other things set up in addition you'll notice more content coming out not a ton at first but it's gonna get there I will be doing more videos I have I'm working on another vlog this week kind of recording what's going on on the day-to-day -day here we had the live stream tonight, and then I'm gonna try to do, to do a to, 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 to do. <laughs> I don't know where that stutter came from. I'm gonna to try to do a a produced video every week too. It might be 
something like a tour of new fish. It might be a spotlight on a species. It might be uh, something that's more evergreen, which is kind of what I think I'm going to lean towards. This week also, I'm, I'm finishing up the newsletter. I know we haven't had our newsletter for a few months. It's just because we've been so busy here. But it's a newsletter. It's on Amazon Puffers, and we go deep into Amazon Puffers. We go everything into their habitat, uh, their evolution over from ocean-dwelling species and how they invaded fresh water and adapted to that. We go into their, their spawning cycle in the wild. We go into their toxins. Yes, they are toxic fish. They, they, they do have poison. And no, you have to eat the puffer for it to do you any harm. So it's, it's not a problem. Just don't eat your puffer, you'll be fine. <laughs> but we go into all that. So we go kind of really deep into the natural history and, and behaviors and their diet in the wild and how it's broken down uh, percentage-wise from stomach content analysis. So I, I don't know. I, I'm happy with it. I think it might be the best article I've ever written on fish. So I'm, I'm really happy with it. Um, I said, um, again, like twice. I finally, I've been trying to write this thing for a while. I finally finished the, the copy, the text, the, the words today. And tomorrow I need to do the supplementary materials, the pictures. I'll, I'll try to do a video. I might do a video explaining how we use Rapashi to uh, mix things into Rapashi to trim down their, their tooth plates because those can get overgrown. Things like that that we need to use just to make it so it's beyond just words on a page and have some pictures and some, some other things. So I'm hoping that I can get that done tomorrow. But I was hoping to get this article done last week. So, you know, we'll do what we can. <laughs> but that's coming out. And we, I'm pretty committed to, to making that newsletter work. And I'm, I'm trying to make it so it's not a newsletter that says, buy all our stuff. Instead, I'm trying to make it so it's a, a newsletter that has valuable and interesting information about fish and kind of goes deep on specific fish. So that's where we're going with that. So it's more Instagram content as well. Basically, I've been freed up more to, to be able to finally uh, do that, to get, get more content out. Now, that being said, we are still looking for a content creator. The reason I'm doing this is because we have not found uh, the, the right person to be our content creator yet. Um, we are in Sheridan, Wyoming, which is a beautiful little town, right at the base of some of the most beautiful mountains in the United States. And we, that is an in-house position. I, I know there's been a lot of interest from folks that would like to do it remotely, and I wish I could make that happen, but no. <laughs> it's, it's something where we need, we need you here to actually take the video, take the pictures, um, and, and do all that stuff. So. If you are interested in having a career making video and taking pictures of fish and, and other content around fish and don't mind moving to Sheridan, Wyoming, then send us an email, hello at dancefish.com with your cover letter and resume. We're still looking for that position. All right, that's, that's where we're at. Yeah, everything else you'll see in the blog. The vlog, I mean, that that's been going on this week. Oh, one update. 
we have found what we think might be, maybe, a permanent solution to the problem of dissolved gases in our water. Uh, during the cold weather, the differential between our water source, which is a creek outside, and our water temperature inside is very high, somewhere around 46 degrees, something like that. And when we heat the water up, all the dissolved gases in that water are released, and when the fish breathe that, they can get embolisms, uh, what's it called, a gas bubble disease. Basically the bends. It's basically giving the fish the bend. And so we've, we've found a few ways to kind of mitigate that, but nothing total, nothing that's really gonna get us through the upcoming winter uh, completely. And so we think we found a unit. It's basically, what it is, is it, it's a membrane and water flows through a pipe outside this membrane. The membrane's in a cylinder inside this, this unit, and the inside of the membrane has a vacuum on it. The membrane is permeable to gas, nitrogen, oxygen, thing, you know, the, the basic gases in our atmosphere, but it's non-permeable to water. So as the water's going up, the vacuum sucks the gases through the membrane, and the water continues on, and that gas is gassed off. So, We've had some meetings with some engineers about that. We think it might be the right move. They're getting us the final information along with a price quote. Uh, I think they're gonna have that to us early next week. And based on that, we'll make a decision. So if that works, that would be awesome. But there's a couple things about it that aren't ideal. One is silt and organics can plug up the membrane. So. We don't know how quickly. If it's something where we have to clean it once a month, that's great. If it's something where we have to clean it three times a day, that won't work. Um, they, they, I did, I said, um, again, bad damn, bad damn. <laughs> I need like a little cat of nine tails that I can just, you know, flatulate myself as I do that. Um, did I use the right word, flatulate, or is that fart? Now I don't know. Either way, you get the idea. Escoriate? Whip myself. How's that? We'll keep it easy. Sometimes you try to use $50 words and you have a $2 vocabulary. And that's me most days. <laughs> anyway, so we need to figure out a couple things. Like how much does the, do those membranes cost? Uh, how often are we going to need to clean it? Uh, those, those kinds of how long will it last, information like that. And we, we have some rough ideas, but we need to dial it down a bit more. But hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, this solves the problem for us. Hopefully this is the final solution for that problem. Alrighty, um, yeah. <laughs> Give us an electroshock button <laughs> for your ums. It would be quite effective. I'll wear a little shock collar and I know I could give it to random arms. <laughs> he would probably enjoy that. <laughs> He's laughing over there. He would. Excuse me. Okay, that's what's going on in my neck of the woods. Let's find out what's going with you guys. If, if you wouldn't mind leaving a, a question or a comment in chat, at Dan's Fish, then I'll get to it. Before I do, though, as always, 
I want to thank my moderators. I just really appreciate you showing up week after week, volunteering your time to make this successful and, and help me manage the chat because goodness knows I can't do that while I'm streaming, not successfully. So I really appreciate that. And to all the members also, that's a, a new thing I've got to start thinking about. Thanks to the members for being here. Really appreciate you being here and doing what you do. Okay. With that, let's get to questions and comments. I'm going to scroll up. Oh, I thought I saw Scotty, Scotty Aquati. Scotty Aquati, is this the Scott that I'm thinking of? If it is, hello? <laughs> um, and I wanted to let you know that we should be able to get more Samurai Grammys in. We're, we're, we're out right now. But it's probably not going to be till mid-November. So that's where we're looking at for that. I do have some other sources for them. But I'm a little nervous about getting a fish. That fish is really hardy if it's shipped right and all that. But if anything goes wrong, it, it can be an issue. So I'm a little nervous getting trying it from a, an unknown source. But I might. It's always good to try and see. That way, if one source goes out of business, you're, you're still okay. But uh, that's where, I, for now, I, I have some scheduled to arrive <laughs> mid-November. Shipping fish is weird these days. Like, importing fish with, with everything going on is weird. It's scheduled pretty far out. But I might try some others as well. But right now, that's where we're at. Spoiled Sushi. Love that name. But it makes my tummy upset. When Bob Steen fought, did your... Fish room tour. You said you had stir by Corys that were tank bred. What is the wild caught stir by called, and do you also have them? Yes. So let me let me take you on a little field trip here. Let's go to dancefish.com, and we have two kinds of stir by. One is aquarium bred, and one is from the Pantanal, which is wild. Oops, I got it. There we go. So. There's three that we have had. This is your standard aquarium strain. Looks looks just like the wilds, but you know, is bred and raised in aquariums. This is the one we currently have available from, from the Pantanal in Brazil. Yeah, I believe these are from Brazil. Oh, it might be Colombia. I'd have to double check that, but they're they're from the Pantanal region. And then we also have one from uh, Rio Atenas. We're out of that one at the moment, but that is one that we sometimes bring in. So we have two location-specific ones and an aquarium strain as well. Now the, the location-specific ones, I think both of those, both times we've had them, have run about $30. They're pretty pricey. But they're location-specific and you're getting fresh blood. Uh, if you want the standard aquarium strain, they're, they're much less. Xanadu do gifted five dance fish memberships. Xanadu do thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Really appreciate your support and and your orders, and um, hope everything continues to go well with them. I, I know there was an issue in this last one. Sorry about that, but it's 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 less than half a percent is our our success rate uh, this week at least. So something's doing okay. Oh, there was something else I wanted to bring up. I am having a heck of a time 
with the purple sailfin gudgeons. Really cool fish. And they're doing great, but when I go to ship them, we're having an issue. We shipped one Monday, it arrived Wednesday, uh, Tuesday, seemed to be just fine. On Tuesday, we pulled a couple that we were gonna ship out. We put them in the shipping bag like we normally do, like we did with the one on Monday. Came back a couple hours to check on them and they were dead. No idea what happened. So I was like, that had to be a quinky dink. That, I don't know what happened. Maybe someone had lotion on their hands or maybe someone um, had touched some chemicals or something like that. That has to be just not a repeatable thing. So. We got a couple more from a different tank. I had a different person catch them, put them in different bags. Same result. Really puzzling. So you might have noticed that the purple um, sailfin gudgeons are not listed anymore. As soon as that started happening, we, we took them down. I'm going to have to figure out what's going on. So um, throughout the rest of this week, I'm going to be trying some things, observing them really carefully, uh, trying to figure out if I can, if I can understand what's happening. That's very strange. It, what's, what's also strange is when they arrived to us, they were individually bagged in even smaller bags than the one we were pre-packing them in. And again, they were only in there for a couple hours before we noticed that they had passed away. And it happened twice. So... I would ask if anyone here has experience shipping that fish, but I know they're so rare that probably not. But if you do, <laughs> if, if you would let me know if you had a similar experience and what the solution was. But otherwise, I'm going to have to put on my, uh, my thinking cap and my lab coat and try to figure it out. That's no good, though, because that's an awesome fish. And so the reason I want to bring that up is just so that those that were you know, wanting to purchase them and saw them suddenly disappear know why. And for those that had purchased them and we had to not ship them, we had to cancel those. Uh, sorry about that. But we would much rather figure out the problem and then ship than ship something that's likely not to do well. Rita R., my bristlenose pleco dropped eggs today. Now the mom and dad seem to be fighting in the cave over who is going to lay on them. Should I separate them? I'm not sure. Uh, every time my bristlenose have spawned, they've taken care of business themselves. I've never had to step in. Is the female not able to escape? Is she being trapped inside with the spawn? If that continues, that could end up being a problem. So, someone that has more experience breeding plecos and maybe it has experienced something like this would you chime in and help Rita out but Rita might from what I know of Bushino's plecos if she's trapped in the cave long enough after they spawn then that, that could be a problem Kelly Foreman has also gifted five Dan's memberships thank you so much Kelly really appreciate you thanks for doing that Kids, Aquatics and Exotics good to see you my friend hope you're doing well Hello, Johnny. Hello, Punchy Paints. Thanks to the Mod Squad. Zach Billing says, I have a four-foot-long 75-gallon tank and would like to keep a group of keyhole cichlids and a group of Bolivian rams. 
How many of each of them would you keep in a tank that size? In that size tank? Um, I'm trying to think if I've ever mixed those species. If it was just Bolivian rams, I'd probably do a dozen or so. If it was just keyhole cichlids, I'd probably do the same. I like cichlids like that in larger groups. They aren't super aggressive by any means, but 12 or so really spreads the aggression out so no one single fish ever gets the short end of the aggression stick. Or maybe that's the long end. Anyway, it, it, it just helps everyone be okay. When I've kept them in groups like that, the only time that there's been any aggression is when someone spawns, and that's very contained to, to the spawning site. Everyone else can get away. Mixing them, 75 gallon, depending on how you maintain the tank and things, maybe eight or so of each is something. You know, full grown, the keyholes are gonna get, what, around four inches or so. Do they get that big? I, th I think around four inches. And the rams are going to get decent size with time. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe eight of each would be something to, to do. It all depends on how you maintain your tank, how much food you do, how much filtration, all that. But, but assuming that all that's adequate and you're just wondering about how many fish can fit in the space and assuming the water quality is fine, yeah, I, I think eight of each wouldn't be a problem. Sandrift Aquatics, do one on spotted Congo puffers. Yeah, that's a possibility. Uh, a newsletter on spotted, spotted Congo puffers. Sure, it's something I've been thinking about. The reason I'm finally doing this one, though, is I've been working on this since we before we moved into the warehouse. <laughs> I meant to release this months ago, and it just as we got busier, just didn't have the time. T-Shot, hey Dan, I ordered the L264 Sultan Pleco from you two years ago. He's absolutely stunning to this day and thriving. Such a healthy fish. Do you get the L264 from the same source all the time? Yes. I'm glad to hear they're doing, he's doing well for you. And that after two years, that's awesome. And T-Shot, yes, unless otherwise stated, um, all the Plecos we get are aquarium bred and raised. And the L264 Sultans, I've only ever sourced from the same breeder. So those definitely. Almost all of the Plecos that I have for sale that are uh, aquarium bred and raised, which is almost all the ones I have, are from the same breeder. Every now and then someone will have some bushy nose available or something like that. And I might purchase some of those. But besides that, all the same breeder. Orange cones, no, give us a button to electroshock you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> Get me motorboating. <laughs> All right, I'm scrolling up because chat jumped. Hang on just a moment while we get there. Leo 209 Aquatics, hard choice to either add more L471s or 397s or get some Snow Whites or the L174. Too many good choices. Well, I'm glad you like them. We, we want you to feel like a kid in a candy store when you come to dancefish.com. And I think we do a pretty good job of getting stuff in that's unique. So I'm glad to hear that you're a kid in a candy store. Good luck making the decision. Can't help you there. 
It's it's all up to your preference. They're all great. Scary Terry. I got an order of two Habgoods coming to replace the one that didn't make it in shipping. Super excited and fingers crossed. All right, yeah, let's hope they make it this time. And sorry about the one that, that passed away. And uh, I'm, I'm confident that you were taken care of correctly. We're getting so much praise for Johnny, our customer happiness officer, who is the one that answers the emails and communicates with you about your orders and things. So. Um, we're just thrilled to have Johnny on the team. So thanks, Johnny, for doing what you do. It's actually really fun in our team meetings to read some of the reviews out loud because it kind of makes Johnny blush. <laughs> Shady Grady, can you tell me if a bed of fish tails will grow back if it falls out off? It depends. If the fin rays are damaged, the, the fins will grow back. But if they're... If it's not the tail, but the caudal peduncle itself, the body of the fish from which the tail generates, then no, it won't grow back. It's the same as if your fingernail got damaged, right? If it's up here in the nail, it'll take time, but it'll eventually grow out, and the, it'll get a weird bump and be discolored and stuff, but that'll grow out. I've lost a, a thumbnail before and a big toenail, and they, they weren't damaged so far back the, the quick, the, the portion where the nail is generated from was still intact, so they grew back. But if it's far enough down into, is it, I think it's called the quick, the, the portion of your fingernail that is generative, then it won't grow back. So, And it's also difficult for a fish that has tail damage all the way to the peduncle to recover from that. Often if it's, if it's from an infection or something, then that can get very serious very quickly. So Shady Grady, it depends on your, your situation there. Hanger 77, hi, hi right back. Looks like I have a lot to catch up on. How do you change the carbon in those huge carbon filters? Well, not easily. <laughs> not easily. I, I think the trick is to hire a cleaning company with one of those uh, big vacuums kind of like the kind of that they use to, to suck out septic systems not the same one we don't want to mix that with our carbon but i think that's that's how to do it we've we've tried a few ways we did it with a shop vac and got a lot of carbon out but that took forever uh, that would have taken a few days to to do that completely with just a shop vac so i think hiring a professional is the way to do that Luckily, we don't anticipate having to do that very often at all. Which reminds me, I'm going to make a note and get that tested. So, make sure it's still all good. Occasionally, we will have to replace it. But it should be much longer than the few months we've been operating now. Ginger Coats, I had the best unboxing yesterday. The fish came in healthy and the smiley faces on the bags made my day. I also got baby self and mollies. They are doing great. Awesome, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, um, Dano, yes, we hired someone named Dan just to make it confusing. So we have two Jonathans, <laughs> Jonathan and Johnny, and we have two Dans, Dan and Dano. And Dano's taken to, uh, to writing fun messages on the uh, temp packs, so yeah. Glad you enjoyed that, Ginger. 
Jeff's Aquatics. Hey, Dan, the L333 Bellamonte Plecos I got from you have spawned. Goal! Right on! Score, my friend. Really excited. I'm excited, too. And if you're looking for an outlet for those, I'd be happy to buy them from a hobbyist in the United States. That would be awesome. JTI Aquatics, what is good food for the young chili rasboars I got from you this week? I can't do live food. If you can get frozen baby brine shrimp, that would be awesome. Frozen copepods would be awesome. Any small frozen foods would be good. But they're also eating really, really well on flake. And one trick I do in ours, we might have a few hundred in each tank, is I'll go by and in the morning, I'll drop in a big Hikari Massivore Delight pellet, and I'll drop that in there, and for a few hours, they'll all gather around that and just nip off of it. So all morning long, they're eating, and then in the evening, uh, we, we give them baby brine shrimp. But we also give them flakes, we also give them other things. They, they're not very picky. Uh, the flake we tend to feed those is the extreme krill flake. We just crunch it up a little bit. Not into a fine powder, but you know, kind of crunch it as you put it in the tank. They'll also eat spirulina. We use the Zumet spirulina. Not because others aren't good, it's just what we happen to have at the moment. We can get that in five pound buckets, which makes it great. And spirulina is really high up on the ingredient list. So when we buy food, I guess I should talk about this a little bit. I don't care the brand, I don't care about your marketing, I don't care how good you say you are. I look at your ingredient list. And if wheat flour and all those different kinds of fillers are way up high on your ingredient list, then I don't buy you. If those are further down in your ingredient list, then I will buy you. So Extreme does a pretty good job with that. Uh, Zuma does a pretty good job with that. And so that's what we're feeding right now. But there's other companies as well that do a good job. It just depends on who's doing a good job on their ingredients, who's got them and where we can we get it in volume. And then we look at the price and kind of make a decision that way. And we feed such a wide variety that I'm sure the fish are getting a good diet. Mr. Guy, why? Will you eventually sell long fin or tricolor Madaka rice fish? No, I don't think so. In fact, we're probably not going to sell any more rice fish. Uh, Madaka rice fish. We'll sell other types, but probably not any more Madaka rice fish. And there's a couple reasons why. One is we just recently got a batch of really good quality rice fish in and listed them at what they actually need to sell for, which is like 35, 40 bucks a piece. These were not cheap for us and no one was interested. So we had to lower them down to, where are they at now? They might be like 15 or $19 and we sold a couple. What that tells us is that even though people say they want good rice fish, they're maybe not willing to pay for them or maybe our messaging is off and people just don't know that these are the good ones. Something's off there. But the main reason is we've made a decision not to carry any fish that have any possibility of living in our local waterway. We have a good filtration system, we have a good uh, sterilization system and all that. But we don't want to take, even with all that, all the precautions, what if something went wrong? I, I love rice fish, but what if something went wrong? So 
we've just made a decision not to keep any fish that can that could possibly survive the winter here in Wyoming so um, we're going to be phasing those out along with uh, anything else that is in the same category it just, much as I hate to do it, because I love some of those fish, it just seems like the responsible thing to do. Until, un until we can build phase two and put in something that's absolute, even better. Um, basically, it's, it's a bad term. It's, a, it's kind of a gross term, but we'd have to build a kill box. And what a kill box is, is a big, Think of a massive sump or septic tank or something like that uh, that has equipment in it that sucks all the oxygen out of the water or injects a lethal gas into the water or something like that. So the water has to pass through there and any fish that pass through there would not make it to the creek. So something like that might be possible, but even then I'm a little skittish about it. So. Um, we will carry rice fish, but only the, the truly, truly tropical species. We will carry uh, caridina shrimps and things like that, but only the tropical species. So for now, that's what we've decided to do. Okay. Rohan at Hikari. I was wondering when you were planning on selling the red whiptail. Uh, if you're talking about the red lizard whiptail, that's how we have it labeled anyway, pretty soon. We have a batch that, that I think should be ready to go fairly soon here. Of course, sometimes I say that and then the next day like one goes down and it's like, oh great, now we have to wait two more weeks. But <laughs> I, think, I think they're gonna be ready pretty soon. We have a batch that's getting good weight on them, their bellies are growing and, and I think they're gonna be okay. Scary Terry, I got an order of two have goods coming. Okay, I already got that one. David House Wright. What am <laughs> I I see so if you were a character in like a, a movie, would your alter ego or your your antagonist be David House Wrong? <laughs> one of my male mollies now only swims in circles. Any suggestions? Oh, I wish I, I wish I could help you. I mean, I would imagine if that's happening that its nervous system at this time is no longer functioning correctly, and what caused that could be lots and lots of things. I, I wish I could help you. I, I don't have any idea how to help a fish like that. I guess the only idea I have is, uh, you know, make it as comfortable as possible, and fingers crossed it recovers. But real talk here, I don't know if I've ever seen a fish that was whirling um, for any period of time. Maybe if you put it in a new tank and it's just like kind of shocked and suddenly whirls, it will recover. But if it's been doing it for a while, uh, I don't think, I think this is a true statement that I've never seen a fish recover from something like that. Now, I could have been forgotten, but it's so rare that I can't think of a time. So, oh, I don't even want to get into this. Um, I'm not a veterinarian, I don't feel qualified, but there does come a point sometimes where you have to wonder, is the fish suffering so much that it would be more humane to, to gently euthanize it and put it to sleep? So, 
I don't want to go too far down that path. I, I'm not qualified, but that is something to consider. I hope that's not the case in your case, but there have been times definitely where I've seen a fish struggling and it seems to me that it's the humane thing to do. Um, it's a hard call to make though, because you can't talk to it. You can't ask it, right? You're just making your best guess. Bow wow, I picked up some Bolivian rams a month ago and their eggs hatched a few days ago. Wasn't expecting that. Well, congratulations. <laughs> You're a fish parent, Bow Wow. Glad to hear it. Mitchell Broom. Hey, Mitchell, hope you're doing well. Are the purple sailfin gudgeon sensitive to be netted? I know some types just don't do well when a net touches them. Maybe. But here's the rub. When they were shipped to us, we didn't have a single loss. I don't think we did. Yeah, I think they all arrived in great shape. So I would suppose that if a fish was that sensitive to being caught and netted and handled and transported and all the stuff that goes into that, that we would have seen that on our end of the shipment, but we didn't. So it's a possibility though. But then how did all the ones they send to us get, get to us in such good shape? What's the solution there, Mitchell? What's something I could try? Is it like put the bag down in the tank and try to chase the fish into the bag and then lift it up? Is that less stressful or get a bucket in there, scoop it out and then get the bag in there and scoop it out of the bucket? Is it, is it that kind of thing? Is it, are we talking about the net itself or are we talking about being like exposed to air? I don't know, you got me thinking. It's worth a try. It's worth a try. But but again, if they were super sensitive, I would imagine there would have been a lot of problems when we received the fish. There would have been severe losses, I think, and they looked healthy as horses. And when we removed them and put them into the tank from the box, we netted all of them. That's how we transferred them. So thinking back on that, it's seeming less likely that that's the case. But I'm at a loss, so why not try? Why not try some uh, netless bagging techniques and see what happens? Thanks, Mitchell. Appreciate the thought. Xanadudu at Johnny and Dan's Fish. I've probably ordered 100 plus fish from Dan's and lost one little rummy nose, so 99% success for me. The rest look awesome. Doing great. Glad to hear it, Xanadudu. I, I knew your time was coming because a few live streams ago, I remember you saying, Oh, all my fish from Dan have come in alive. And I was like, oh, oh, he said it. <laughs> the bell curve's going to get him. <laughs> I mean, if you can't laugh at it, what are you going to do, right? Anyway, I'm glad to hear it's 99% success. Or better, because it's been more than 100 fish from us. So glad to hear that. I mean, eventually everyone's going to have a problem. If you order from us enough times, a problem will occur. That's just statistics. But hopefully it's few and far between. And hopefully we never fall below that 99% mark. That's our goal. Leo209 Aquatics, when we order fish, can we have UPS hold at the local store instead of getting in a truck with this heat? It, it depends on your area. Contact your local UPS and if it's a yes, then when you place your order, leave a note at checkout and say, please have held at our local UPS store. And then we will write on the box, please hold for pickup. And uh, 
and they'll hold it for pickup for you. It really helps too if you call the day before and say, hey, would you hold packages coming to my address for pickup? That's what I do. Uh, I have a package of fish coming tomorrow. So earlier today, I called my local UPS and I said, hey, I've got a package coming tomorrow. Could you hold my, my packages so I can come pick them up? And so I can go pick up the fish tomorrow at 10 a.m. instead of having them out on the hot truck uh, out for delivery. So those are the two things I would suggest. Leave us a note at checkout and we'll write that request on the box. Also let your local UPS know the day before the fish are supposed to arrive that you would like them held for pickup. And uh, I think that'll work for you. It works for us. But uh, UPS might be different in different locations. I'm not sure. U.S. scraper, not scraper. <laughs> U.S. not scraper. Look, I, I did it. I did it. Is that the second time in my life I've got your name right? <laughs> Do they have stress toxin like Corydoras? Not the, no. No, not that I'm aware of. They don't have any toxins or poisons or anything like that that they release. Bunny Viper, the archers are stunning. So incredibly beautiful. They were worth the year plus wait. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, wait in a year. They better come in good shape, right? <laughs> Richard, Richard Reynolds, they aren't a labyrinth type of fish, are they? No, they're a gudgeon. Uh, very similar to like a panda gudgeon, uh, panda gar. They, they're very similar to gara. Let me show you what we're talking about here. So this is the fish we're talking about. Oh, we took it down. Of course I can't find it. Um, just a moment. Oh, what's it called? Microphysogobio. There it is. Microphysogobio tafangensis. It's this beautiful, beautiful really rare I we're the only time we're the the second time I'm aware that this fish has come into the United States my friend Wes beat me to it and brought some in a while ago but as far as I know the, the batch we have is is only the second batch ever to come into the United States and they are stunning this is the fish we're talking about and it really hurts to lose it so I'm gonna keep working on it and any other suggestions would be welcome Scary Terry, I got an order of two. Okay, <laughs> geez, Scary, you really wanted me to read that comment. <laughs> Mike Yem, over here in Europe, more and more fish, mostly catfish, come delivered in a bag with a powder of activated carbon in the bags to prevent toxins or pollution during shipping. Yeah, it's something we could try. We, we've, we're doing that with our Corydoras now. I just don't think these have toxins, but it is something that we thought to try because why not? We've got carbon for our quarries, might as well try it. So that is one of the next things we'll try. So thanks for the thought, Mikey. I appreciate it. Scary Terry. <laughs> okay. Love you, Scary Terry. But general note for everybody, you only need to leave your question or comment once. If it's at Dan's Fish, I'll see it. If I don't, if chat for some reason jumps and, and skips it and won't let me get to it, th then leave it again. But, but uh, man, that's a lot of Scary Terry commenting. <laughs> for example, chat just jumped. So the next comment I can see is from Michael Toke. 
So it's the comment, hi, have you considered installing large water holding tanks to let the new water settle sediment before filtering and allow the used water temp to stabilize outdoors before adding it back? So before I comment, uh, reply to Michael Toke's comment, uh, see, I didn't say um, I said uh, uh is acceptable. That's the next comment I can see. So if you left a comment or question above that and I missed it when chat jumped, now please feel free to repeat it below. So yes, we've thought of that. We have thought, so we do have a, a settling, we do have a settling pond outside. It's a, it's a big cistern. Think of a large septic tank. And we have a massive gravel well. So all the water coming in from the, oh, I should switch. No, no, I'm on the right screen. Huh, sometimes I confuse myself. <laughs> I don't need any help. I can confuse myself all by myself. Cheers. So yeah, the water coming in has been through a big settling process. However, and there's very little sediment in the water right now. However, during the runoff season, when that creek is just so turbid that you can't, you can't see an inch into it because of all the fresh runoff, that's when I'm concerned about the sediment. Because at that point, even the settling pond I'm going to call it a settling pond, but it's this massive gravel pack that the water has to flow through and flow through really slowly before it gets to the pipes that collect the water, send it to the cistern, and then it also settles in that big cistern before it's pumped to the warehouse. So it's got 100 feet by, I want to say 45 feet of settling area before it's ever brought up to, to the warehouse. And so it's got plenty of time, but during the runoff, there's so much silt in there that the fine fines, the really fine, fine silt doesn't settle out. That stuff takes forever to settle out. So our, our settling area is not sufficient for that. So that's when I'm worried about it, Michael. Okay, and the second part, the, so installing a large water holding tank, uh, let the new water settle before filtering, and part two, allow the used tap water temp to stabilize outdoors before adding it back. So we use the we use a heat exchanger to cool the water before it's sent back out, and then it runs through an artificial creek, a, a riprap, and so that cools it back down as well. So it's, it's moving over a bunch of rocks in a riprap style return. And it's only got, you know, a couple inches of water in it. So that picks up the, the outside temperature pretty quickly on its way back as well. Okay. So, so one thing we have thought of though, Michael, is an additional big settling cistern to help degas the water after it's heated and before it comes to the aquariums. Now, in order to do that, we'd have to get a, we assume a massive cistern. It would need to be engineered, but it's gonna have to be large. And we'd have to put it outside in our parking area. We'd have to hire a utility contractor to dig down, install all that. That would be very, very pricey. It, it is something we've considered though, and it's not off the table completely. What we're hoping though, is this little, 
little degassing unit, which is, I don't know, maybe a couple feet wide and a few feet tall. It's not massive. Um, shoot, I said I'm bad, damn. We're hoping that that can take care of it because it's small, it's compact, and it's built specifically for that purpose. But I appreciate the thoughts. And, and keep them coming. We're open to thoughts because we're not experts on degassing by any means. Uh, saturated gases and water is not something we're 100% familiar with. <laughs> Al, can one speed seeding a canister filter by running it in tandem with another on an established tank? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Then Pleco newly seeded filter on new tank. Then place newly seeded filter on new tank. Feed newly seeded filter and tank uh, with ammonia until ready to add fish. I, I don't even think that you would. So everything there sounds fairly foolproof to me until you say feeding with ammonia. The, the ammonia chloride is fine. You can tankless cycle. You just have to be really careful with it. The place that can go wrong, and I've done this, is where you accidentally dose too much ammonia. So nitrifying bacteria love to eat ammonia, but if it gets too much ammonia in the tank, it will kill or at least severely inhibit the nitrifying bacteria population. I've, I've experienced that and I've read that on, on Dr. Tim's information as well. So if you're experienced with fishless cycling using ammonia chloride to cycle, I would say by all means go for it. If you're not, uh, I would maybe try it in like a little 10 gallon with a sponge filter until you go through it a few times so you kind of know what you're doing so you don't accidentally kill the whole cycle. But honestly, if you have a well-seeded, uh, I'm not going to put an um on the end of that. Uh, I can't say um, it just has to be uh. <laughs> it's rather incomplete. If you have a well-seeded, canister filter that you've had running on an established tank for a few weeks and then you move that I would just wait until you have the new fish and then move it over like the day before I think that's a more foolproof way to do it now when you move it you have to do it quickly because one other danger of this is if that canister filter is not running it will the bacteria load inside it will quickly die off nitrifying bacteria are benthic so they're, they're adhering to surfaces. They live on surfaces. They're not free floating in the water column. I mean, a few are, but the, the colony itself lives attached to surfaces. That's why we like to use things like sponge filters because the sponges has lots of surface area. So you get lots of bacteria growing on those surfaces. High surface area equals lots of bacteria because they need something to attach to. So you've got all these bacteria growing on all the surfaces inside your canister filter. Those populations require a lot of oxygen. This is not anaerobic or anoxic bacteria. It requires oxygen. It's an aerobic species. So if you turn that filter off and it goes without oxygen flow, which is getting from the water flowing through it for long enough, it will kill the colony inside the canister filter. So when you move it to the new tank, you want to do it rather quickly. So keep that in mind. If it was me, I would put it on the established tank for a few weeks. A day or so before the new fish were going to arrive, I'd move it to the new tank and I'd do it quickly. And I'd have well-aged gassed off water in that new tank as well. That's my thoughts. Rohan, 
At Hikari, I was wondering when you were planning on... Okay, I already got that one. Kelly Foreman throwing down a super chat. Thank you, Kelly, for throwing money at us. Always appreciated, never required, but we are a little engine that could. We are a startup company, and every little bit helps the transition, so thank you. Okay, I hate to be a pest, but any chance of getting the blue Axelrod I Razaboras in the next few weeks? Thank you. Johnny's sick of us pestering him. We are relentless. <laughs> I like how you use the royal we. <laughs> um, Kelly, if I see them available, I will get them. It's not that I'm not trying to get them. It's that they're not available that often. However, you will be glad to know that I have three Sudadanio species on order that will be coming with those Samurai Garamis and be available mid-November. Now, that's not the next few weeks, I know. But that's the supplier that I know and trust with my Sudadanio species. And we'll be getting the blue axolotis, but also two others, which is pretty cool. At least we ordered them. You know, we don't know for sure till they arrive, but we're planning on getting three species. Now, I have a couple other suppliers that I haven't got Sudadanios from, but that have been doing a good job with some other species. So if I see them on their lists, I will order them, but I have not seen them on their lists uh, to date. So right now, there's a few suppliers I won't get them from because they have repeatedly done a bad job. There is one supplier I will get them from, but they won't be ready to go until mid-November. That order's not arriving until the end of October. And it's still kind of in flux. I haven't, I haven't even let the, the, uh, the import team in Los Angeles know it's coming yet because I, I want to get it a little more finalized before, uh, before they schedule it. But it's, it's in the works. It's almost, it's almost finalized enough to let the import team know about it. So suppliers I know I can't get that fish from, one that I can, but it'll be a while. And then there's a couple others I might try if they become available on the lists. And, and that's where the situation rests. But be relentless. It's how you get stuff done. <laughs> All right, Alexander Engelhardt. I've been Engelharted. Alexander, thank you so much, as always, for the massive super chat. If I add up all the financial support Alexander has given us, it is, it's significant. It's a huge help to getting this thing up and running. So Alexander, sincerely, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Okay. Brian Lenowicz. I have read conflicting info regarding electric blue Acaras. Some say hybrid with rams. Weird. Some say just a natural genetic color morph. Which is it? Is it better just getting blue Acara? So as far as I know, the electric blue Acara is a pure species. It has not been crossed with other species. It's just a uh, color morph that arose and was line bred and established and fixed. Just like the electric blue uh, Jack Dempsey, for example. However, unlike the electric blue Jack Dempsey's, these don't have a lethal gene in them. So electric blue Acara seem to be just as healthy as your old-fashioned, natural-colored blue Acara. Which one should you get? Totally up to you. I've had great success with both. We have a great group of natural blue Acara in right now, and we brought them in just because they're getting scarce. Like, people only sell the electric blue Acaras now. We wanted to make sure that we didn't forget about the good old-fashioned one that we've known and loved for decades. So we have that one in, but if you like the electric blue color a lot better, then there's no problem getting those. 
they've been great for us. We've spawned them and raised them and had hundreds come through here that, that we've raised. Uh, they're a hardy fish in our experience. Scary Terry says, so sorry, y'all. Oh, not a problem. Please don't take that as like, you know, you're being put in the corner or anything. No, 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 not a problem at all. I just brought it up so everyone knows it's easier on the moderators uh, <laughs> when, when the chat isn't spammed with the same comment over and over. Oh, geez. We're finally big enough that the porn bots are coming for us. Sorry, everybody. Thanks for deleting those mods. Jeez. You know you've made it when. We really do want this to be somewhere where kids can come and learn about keeping fish. We want to help the next generation as much as the outgoing generation and everyone in between. I remember as a 13-year-old kid getting into this hobby and I would have given my left arm for something like this. And I think it would be an absolute shame if me at 13, if my parents had been like, uh, no, you can't do that because there's all this gross stuff happening there, right? Um, that's why we try to keep it accessible to anyone of any age, just so that everyone can enjoy this hobby. So it, it's really upsetting when the porn bots come. So sorry to everybody. Um, if you're a kid, the mods are on it. We'll, we'll, we'll keep you safe. And uh, hopefully you can be here and enjoy your hobby. Yeah. Man, at 13, honestly, this would have been heaven for me. Jon Snow Radio. Thank you for recommending the Coletti Tetras. Thank Bob Steen fought. Bob is the one that got those rolling. Tighter schooling than my rummy nose, which is saying a lot. And beautiful, right? Yeah, I'm glad you like him, Jon Snow Radio. And I think we might be sold out. <laughs> That's... That Tetra was the best surprise. So here's what happened. I ordered, they, they weren't on a list or anything. I ordered Splash Tetras. They must not have had Splash Tetras and they decided to fill the box with Coletti Tetras, sorry, instead. <laughs> Just a moment while I fix my technical throat difficulty here. So open the box expecting Splash Tetras. Nope, it's these Tetras that I don't know what they are. So. Searched around, got an ID, turns out they're Coletti Tetras. Best mistake ever. They're absolutely stunning. Everyone that's got them adores them, and we've had a ton of fun with them. What I don't know is how to get them on purpose. <laughs> I know that I can get them on accident occasionally if I order Splash Tetras, but what I don't know is how to get them on purpose. So I'm gonna talk to that supplier and try to get some more in, because I would like to keep those in stock. They're pretty awesome. Glad you like yours. And thanks to Bob Steenfot from Steenfot Aquatics because it was his visit when he saw them and lit up like a kid at Christmas. Just like, wow. That really made people understand how cool they are and they sold out pretty quick. And everyone that's got them now understands why Bob's face lit up like a kid at Christmas. Did Chad just jump or no? Hang on. Gotta find, oh, here's the next one. Mikey M saying that if he wins, give the win to Alex Repco. All right, Johnny, I'll let Johnny handle all that. If that happens, Alex, you're in charge of emailing Johnny with your, your first and last name and mailing address. 
Because by the time we get there, I won't remember what's happening. VO209 Aquatics. On a side note, the L471 ones, one of them has a breeding scratch on it, so I'm guessing they're getting ready to breed, hoping it happens soon. Well, I hope so, too. It would be a bummer if it got scratched and you didn't even get some breeding out of it. I hope so. The 471s. Oh, great little fish. Mini Snowball Pleco, for those that don't know. Only gets uh, two and a half, maybe three inches. I, I don't know for sure. I always sell them before they get full grown on me. Really small happen sistress. Neat little fish. Bunny Viper, what are y'all feeding the archers? They like fiber bites for sure. Yeah, we feed them fiber bites. We feed them uh, flake foods, uh, extreme krill flakes. We, we do feed them spirulina flakes because we like to get some veggie into them occasionally. Uh, we feed them frozen foods. As long as it's towards the top, they'll eat it. Once it sinks down, though, then the uh, Satana perca that are in there take care of them. A Jurapari type, Geophagus type fish, bottom dweller, sand sifter. By the way, those are great. If you're looking for a good combo for archer fish, it's archer fish up, up top and a geophagus or similar type feeder on the bottom. You feed the archers and all the food that drops down that they ignore gets eaten by the bottom feeders and it's a match made in heaven. And, and anytime I find a moth buzzing around a window or a bug, <laughs> they eat that too. So <laughs> it's all that stuff, but they're not picky. As long as it's on the surface, they should eat it just fine. Oh, uh, this is one fish that really enjoys freeze-dried foods, freeze-dried uh, scuds, amphipods, or uh, krill, or mysis, you know, things like that. Patrick's Aquatics, what is the best fish shop you've ever been to? I mean, my favorite was this little pet store called... Um, what was it called? Oh. It was owned by a gentleman named Keith Johnson. Kind of got me started into fish as a kid. Poor guy. I was there all the time, and I asked question after question after question after question. I, while I was there, I don't think he got a darn thing done. It was called Frontier Pets. That's what it was called. And to me, it was magic. Had a, he was a fish nerd. He was a killifish hobbyist. And so he got all kinds of, of neat stuff in, and I loved it there. So I'm going to go with that one. Orange cones. I was surprised at how well the chili rasboras paired with headstanders both love to graze on sinking pellets and rapashi. Now that's a combo I probably wouldn't have thought of. I'm glad it's going well with you, though. That's great. Yeah, because headstanders don't really, like, eat chunks of stuff. They, they graze little tiny bits, so I could see that working. <laughs> now that I say that, I, you probably, we probably talked about it in a previous live stream. If we did, I'm sorry. My brain went, and it's gone. But I'm glad to hear it's going well. David House Wright, thank you for the advice. It's an older fish, so I kind of figured it was just getting to the end of life, but wanted to check. This is, I believe, the molly. Yeah, you're welcome, David. And sorry, I, I can't do more. I'm just not qualified to help people as much as I wish I could. Heck, I can't even help myself. There's so many times, one of the most frustrating things about the hobby and, and doing this for a living especially, is when a fish has a problem and you can't figure it out. And we do have an aquatic veterinarian on retainer, but we have to do that over mail. We have to send them the fish and things because they're not local. I, I dream of the day 
when we can hire an aquatic veterinarian or at least someone trained, you know, at aquatic medicine, maybe a technician or, or whoever that is qualified to run slides and do scrapes and, and look for stuff under the microscope and, and help, us, help us help our fish because that's the worst part. I think, I think for me right now, that's the worst part. Well, the other part is if you order a big group of fish and they come in in horrible shape and they weren't treated right, that's, that's disgusting. But we're finding good suppliers and that's happening less and less. And, and our suppliers are working with us uh, to all the time we're making inroads on improving that on the supply side. So that's going better. But it's so frustrating when fish are struggling and you can't help them. I'm sure we've all had that experience. U.S. scaper. <laughs> to me, it's always going to be U.S. not scraper. My gardener Achilles fish keeps jumping into my hang on back. Any tips to stop this? There's no way to stop it except for completely covering the gap that he can jump out of. And with an, a hang on back, back, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to keep killifish long term in anything other than a tank with a really kind of tightly sealed lid. I mean, I suppose you could get some kind of like plastic mesh needlepoint canvas type stuff and make a little grate in there but that's going to clog and back up your filter over time and I don't know of a good solution to that if someone else here does please uh, chime in let's help uh, not scraper out mountaintop puffer keeper good to hear from you Matthew thanks for being the only reason I realize it's Wednesday most weeks. <laughs> All will appear. Lots of puffers growing. That's awesome to hear. I'm glad you're doing well. <laughs> That's a funny comment. I appreciate that. That made my day. <laughs> Josh S. Do you know where to get Sulawesi shrimp? Well, like I said, we are getting out of your typical cherry shrimp types and going to start keeping warm water shrimp. So. We have a whole bunch of species of Sulawesi type shrimps that should be coming in and available mid-November, provided that all shakes out. I'm trying them, I'm, I'm trying a few other things. Basically what I'm trying to do is find good companions for Plecostomus. I have tons of tanks of Plecostomus and, and up till now what we've done is we'll keep other fish in them and with them and at night we'll turn off the lights and then I'll go around and feed the Plecostomus. But the days are getting really long and we have so many plecos now that that's getting unmanageable. I literally have to come in at like 9 p.m. once it gets dark outside, 9.30 at night, and take, do another round of feeding. And then I have to get up early to come in. And it's just, it makes you tired. So instead of doing that, and I realize there's a few species, such as, uh, I don't know, hatchet fish and a few others that stay at the top and, and would not compete with them. Some of your Dario, which don't eat the same food types, things like that. But they're few and far between. So what I'm looking for is other critters that I can put in the tanks with the Plecostomus so that we can utilize those tanks better. Each square foot of tank space we have is very precious and has to pay its rent. And the best way for it to pay its rent is to have 
enough fish in there that, uh, that it sells enough out of that tank to pay its rent. When you only have one species and only a few of them, it gets a little difficult. So we're just trying to utilize our tank space better. So I think Soloasi shrimp with hypencistris would be a great match. So we're going to try some of that. And we have the right water for it now. The reason, one of the reasons we never tried this in the past was our water was really soft. And those Sulawesi types like nice hard water, which we now have, so we can try it. Orange goats, how will you capture farwella once I ship to you? They're bad with nets. Oh yeah, we use our hands. We use our hands with fish like that. Let's cup your hand in there and get them out. That's how we get a lot of the quarries and plecos and, and other fish transferred. Uh, there's some that are really autosynchronous, don't do well in a net either. Uh, there, there's lots of fish that you don't net. David W. The Betacochina colony had its second batch of fry. I missed the last few live streams, so they are about half inch long now. I'm going to need bigger tank pretty soon. That's awesome, David W. I'm so glad to hear that. Betacochina is just absolutely awesome. Good for you. One of my favorite bettas. Endlessly beautiful, always entertaining, peaceful. They're a jewel. They're a real jewel. Killers Aquatics and Exotics throwing down Pippi Longstocking. Thanks for the super chat, Bob. Really appreciate you. And that must be letting me know that it's it's getting close. We've got about 12 minutes left. I'm going to take that as the cue to go ahead and do the giveaway. We have 253 folks here. <laughs> it never fails. <laughs> the moment I said that, it dropped to 248. <laughs> now it's back up to 251, though, so we're okay. <laughs> Thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for spending your Wednesday with us. If you wouldn't mind taking a moment to let all your exes know that this is going on and get them in here, that would be awesome. But before you do, we're going to do the giveaway so folks that are already here have a better chance of winning. So the winner of these awesome Pleco Caves, three sizes, handmade Pleco Caves, large, medium, and small. The winner of those and the winner of a pack of spirulina powder and a pack of astaxanthin powder, the red algae, is Robert Masonette. Robert Masonette, you have won. You have two minutes to chime in and let us know that you're here because you do have to be present to win. And once you do, we'll tell you how to finalize your winnings. If you haven't claimed your winnings in two minutes, we'll draw someone else. While we're waiting for Robert, let's look for the next question or comment. And chat jumpity jumped. I'm scrolling up, and the next one I can see is Chevy Fish, who says Pass possibly pack the gudgeons in the water from their tank and include a small piece of ammonia absorber pad. It's not a bad idea to see if they're just caught from the water in their tank. Do they do fine? Is that the issue? The other thing I, I, I'm wondering and I'll need to try is have I finally 
come in contact with a fish that can't have salt in its water during shipping. I'd be very surprised. I have it on, I mean, some aquatic veterinarians have told me that they can't think of a single freshwater aquarium fish that, that wouldn't benefit from salt that's fully dissolved in its water. But, you know, they probably don't know this fish. So something to try out also, I think, is packing them. I'll do a bunch of little experiments to see what works, but maybe put them in shipping water, but before the salt is added, just to see if that's a sensitive point. I'd be so surprised, though. I mean, when we took them from their shipping water, we did the temp and tank method, the plop and drop method, and temperature was fine, netted them out of their little bags and put them straight in the tank, and no one showed any shock or anything like that. So I don't think it's the change from our tank water to our shipping water. In fact, our shipping water is literally the tank water before it hits the tank. It's, it's the same water that's coming out of these lines right here. This, this water right here in this line that's going into the tank, that's our shipping water. We just have a tank that doesn't have fish in it. It's set up just like this tank. It just doesn't have fish in it. And we, we take the water out of there. The only difference is we add the Seacom Safe and we add the salt. So maybe playing with those two variables. Thanks, Chevy Fish, for the thought. It's getting my brain getting my brain rolling. <laughs> Paul Soltero has a solution to our, our dissolved gas problem. He says, my dog is great at degassing. Just saying. All right. Problem solved. Water in one end, degassed water out the other. All set. <laughs> All right. Robert Masonette has not showed up to claim their winning, so... The next winner is John Keith Gardner. You have won. If you're present, you have two minutes to chime in. Let us know you're here and claim your winnings. If you don't chime in in two minutes, we will draw someone else. Jerry Serple Morris. Hey, good to hear from you, Jerry. I'm finally building out my garage fish rack. It's six feet long, two feet deep with six 10 gallons and one 5.5 gallon on each shelf. Do you think four three-foot stingrays per shelf is overkill for growing plants? Well, Jerry, you've ventured into territory where I'm not qualified to help you because I know nothing about plants. But I would think Yeah, I'm not even, I mean, my gut reaction probably overkill. But again, I know nothing about plants. So I'm going to let someone else take that one. Someone else, if you could take that one, please feel free. Someone that knows plants. John Keith Gardner is present. Congratulations, John. You have won and confirmed your winnings. Now just all we need is your shipping information. So if you would send your first name, last name, and shipping address to hello at dancefish.com. That's H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com. That'll get to Johnny and we will take care of all of that for you. Congratulations, thanks for being here. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. Spindrift Aquatics says thanks. You're welcome. I'm not clear 
what the thanks is for. Maybe it's a previous conversation that I that we had. <laughs> I've camera brain, can't retain the info. Trying to do too many things, but you're welcome. Whatever it was. Dave Jones, any update on your favorite killifish situation? It's not good. I have a batch of fun little Panchax Gardener I in right now that I'm, I'm struggling to figure out what's wrong with them. We are putting them through flubendazole right now in the hopes that that will help. So far we haven't seen a lot of improvement, so we're likely to switch to another medication. I have no idea what happened. We had those for a few weeks. They looked great. We were all excited. And then suddenly a few didn't do well and it's like, what's going on? And then a few more didn't do well and you kind of got that thing happening. So yeah, it's not good, Dave. And uh, we're trying our best, but it doesn't look like we'll find a solution in the near future because the normal medicines aren't doing it. I mean, there are times when no medicine will do it. If it's a virus, medicine's not going to do it. If it's... Uh, Certain kinds of, I don't know, I hate to say the word mycobacterium because it's scary to me, but if it were mycobacterium, medicine's not going to do it. So there are times when a fish gets ill and uh, there's literally nothing we can do, but we'll keep trying. We have some more in our arsenal, some more things to try. Almost every time that we have, is that true that it's almost every time? I'd have to actually look at the stats, but often when a fish has an issue, it's like, ooh, the fins are clamped, that's okay. Usually there's a medicine you know that will take care of that, or um, oh, it looks like it has internal parasites. There's a few medicines that you can try for those kinds of, you can kind of pinpoint it. But what's happening with the gardener eye is uh, we don't see the symptom that helps us target the illness. So we're really just guessing and going through the arsenal and hoping one of them is effective. Mitchell Broom, for no net catch, I use a clear plastic shoe box to trap them against the glass and slide it up to the surface. They seem to be less scared of the clear container. Okay, that makes sense. Boom, or boom, slide it up and then tilt it up and you got the fish in the container. Yeah, I got it. Gotcha. Thanks, Mitchell, I appreciate that. Brian Maramba. Hey, what's the easiest live food to keep? Scuds, hands down. I'm getting tired of constantly hatching brine shrimp. Okay, get yourself a 10 gallon aquarium and a sponge filter. Get that thing nice and cycled. Put a bunch of wood in it from an established aquarium. Put a bunch of plants in it from an established aquarium. Put a bunch of stuff in it from an established aquarium. Throw yourself, once it's all cycled up and everything, um, or just full of established stuff that instantly does that. Better yet, Keep it going with, with a light on it until you see algae forming all over. Then put some scuds in and treat them just like fish. Feed them every day, change the water like you would for fish, clean out the sponge filter on occasion, and you'll have a constant supply of live food. I feed mine zucchini on a fork. Cut some zucchini, stick it on a fork, drop it in. Um, they eat tons of that. Now, be careful. The plants you put in there, they might not survive. The scuds might eat them between meals but it's a good way to get them going. Whew. One last whistle wetter. I mean, scuds are super, super easy. Mitchell has another thought. Are they dying before the bags are closed? Yes. Do they require a ton of O2? They do. 
like O2, but we're keeping them in super clean water and it's not closed off. So they have atmospheric oxygen and like hillstream loaches and all those really high oxygen consumers do just fine in this method. But you know what? I have an oxygen meter, so I can test that. It's not a bad idea. I will take a bag, put it in with our shipping water like we normally would, put it aside for a few hours and then test the oxygen content in there and see what it's at. It's not a bad idea, Mitchell. Um, that's what I hadn't thought of before, so I'm going to write that down so I don't forget it. Add it to the list. Uh, Joyce Brown, do you think you will get any more Pseudomogil Novagenie? Yes, I will. Uh, those also should be available mid-November. Sorry it's taking so long. I wish the order could come next week, but with everything going on in the world right now, shipping is uh, its a beast. Yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of red tape to cut through and lots of things that have to happen on everyone's end before it can happen. So we're scheduled out until then for now. All right, it's 8.30, so I've got to close this down. I want to start, as always, by thanking my moderators for being here, volunteering their time, and helping out. And I know I say that every week, but I want you to know I, I really mean it every week. I want to thank everyone that threw money at us. Thanks for the Super Chats. Thanks to everyone that joined and became members. Thanks to everyone that gifted members. Um, the memberships are going, like, so much better than we ever thought. So that's been amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's, it really does help. The support is palpable. I want to thank everyone that left questions and comments and made this a lively evening of fish discussion and geeking out. Really appreciate that. All you lurkers who were hanging out but not commenting, hail the Lurker Nation. If you're watching on the replay, hello from the past. And if you're listening to the podcast, thanks for listening. Thanks to Michael Mellier for making the podcast happen. With that, we're going to close this out. We'll be back same bat time, same bat channel next Wednesday. Until then, I hope you have a great night. Bye-bye.